Hello and welcome to Do Not Steal, a podcast about tabletop criticism and ROCs. I'm Star Wars Darth Vader, Broom, Olivia, Joseph. God. Uh, I love your radical commitment to the VTuber jokes. Like, you, you, you were, like, embarrassed last episode over me being like, oh yeah, you're the VTuber girl. And then you literally start the next one with a VTuber joke. I'm Star Wars Kylo Wen. Boom. <laughs> boom. Boom. Nora Blake. <laughs> Thank you, Nora. Okay. Thank you. All right. So we have two people obsessed with VTubers and one normal girl with regular hobbies. I don't even watch VTubers. I just watch the clips <laughs> that Olivia sends me. <laughs> I re- Hold on. Now, hold on a second. What's up? Um, Nora, you're on this call at my discretion. <laughs> what does that mean? I could I could kick you from this call if I needed Is to. Is that true? Yeah, that's true. Hmm. Let me just check Discord real quick. Uh, my name is the name with from... with the little crown next to it. I'm the group owner. I'm the queen. Um. I'm gonna throw you down whatever the fuck Darth Vader throws Palpatine's ass down in, in episode six. That would be a yes. shaft. What is that? It's called it a, be a shaft. Yes, it's in the. Yeah, but like, the... but mm-hmm. like, what kind of shaft is it? Where does it go? Power shaft, probably. Why? Why do they have that in the throne room? What if somebody throws the Emperor down it? Well, his lightning would help cause a chain reaction that would help the. Uh, Death Star be destroyed. Uh, he he is thrown into the reactor. Hannah, do you want to introduce yourself? No, I was thinking I would just like let you guys just like banter for another thirty minutes or so. And with us we have Luke Skywalker. Broom. It's <laughs> Hannah Yolo. Hi, I'm Luke Skywalker. Broom. Hannah Yolo. <laughs> the negotiator. Listen. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh, I. <laughs> First and foremost, I love Obi, the negotiator. That's so true. He's so good. Um, what a great Star Wars character. I feel like I've told uh, Olivia, but Nora, have I told you my Star Wars like forum screen name that I used to have? I don't think so. This is like when I was like 13 years old. I briefly went by Obi-Wan Shinobi. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, it's... It's the most 13-year-old screen name possible. Oh, at one point I went by Sephiroth Belmont. There you go. For <laughs> <laughs> the first time uh, I played Halo 1 PC online, my display name was Gladiator. Okay. See, I went by I went by Sheepshifter, which is like, what if a shapeshifter could only turn into a sheep? Or what if and a sheep was like, funny. moved five feet to the side? No, that's if you move a sheep. Yeah, you're a she- you're a side. sheep shifter. You're shifting the sheep, right? Just one step to the side. Yeah. Anyway, we're doing Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Um, this month's episode is on Star Wars Force and Destiny, the role playing game. Mm-hmm. Um, Nora, when did this come out? I feel like you know things about this game that I don't. I'm Googling it, but I'm going to say 2014 before it loads and see if that's true. Uh, okay. 
Because here's here's what I know about this game is that it's one of three games under the fantasy flight game Star Wars umbrella, um, which are kind of like they separated out the core rules into three separate books for like if you want to play Force users, if you want to play like uh, rebellion people, and if you want to play like smugglers on the edge of the galaxy. So, um, 2015 is when this book came out. Mm-hmm. Um, but which they all came out the... at, like, different times, right? Yes. The Edge of the Empire was the first one. It sort of introduced the system. Uh, that's for scoundrels and bounty hunters and droids, I believe. Um, Age of Rebellion is the one I have the least familiarity with, uh, because it's mostly soldiers and spies and diplomats, which is not a thing, not a space that my group ever really went into. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Force and Destiny was the last one and was the only one to be released post Disney. Um, this book is like situated very uh, strangely in that context because it was being developed pre Disney buyout. And then when it came out, it sort of like has one foot in Disney canon and one foot in Legends canon because it like is drawing on a, a bunch of. Uh, legend stuff old canon stuff but also trying to fit into disney's new version of star wars canon mm-hmm. so there's a lot of rebels stuff in here there's a lot of clone Wars stuff in here primarily but there's also like references to other older things like vornskers and salamiri are in this book which are from the Thrawn trilogy there's a there's some kotor stuff in there too um, yeah which I don't think Kotor is still canon. No, nope. Star Wars is it? Kotor is not canon. What the fuck? Yeah. I think I think they got rid of Kotor. It's in yeah. my it's it's in the like the licensed Star Wars Hero Collector that I play occasionally, um, which like is extremely like based on you know what's licensable and and marketable mm-hmm. right now. The the Old Republic MMO is still ongoing, but it is not considered okay. canon to Disney's products. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I, I think that's one of those things where like there's a difference between like what what Disney as like a company wants to like take responsibility for like in the canon, and then mm-hmm. like what they know will get the money from Star Wars fans. Yeah, and something yeah, and they know they're... will get the money from Star Wars fans is a Star Wars role playing system for you to tell your own little Star Wars stories. Because the last one didn't do so hot. <laughs> um, yeah, what the, was they're... the previous one? One last note I just wanted to say is that there have always been um, multiple canons ongoing in Star Wars that was Mm -hmm. sort of codified as different uh, tiers of canonicity, with the top tier being G-canon or George canon, Uh, which is anything that George Lucas says is is the most true. (laughs) So so they're called laser swords. I don't think anyone's had that conversation, but yeah, I guess so. It's the most canon you can be is to call a lightsaber a laser sword. I want to make um, it very clear before we get to our characters that my character does refer to them as laser swords. That's great. It's perfect. I want to make it very clear that my character hates that. <laughs> um, the previous, so there are two previous Star Wars RPGs. The original West End Games RPG from the 90s. Uh, is the backbone of the entire expanded universe uh, to the point that when Timothy Zahn was tasked with writing a trilogy of books to sort of introduce the space of 
like post movie continuity for other people to write books in as well he was actually given a set of the west end games rpg and all of its world building and supplements and that is like the stuff he drew on that then everyone else also drew on to sort of spin star wars out into what the mess it eventually became um but in the early 2000s you might remember this thing called the open game license um and wizards got a hold of Wizards of the Coast, not just a collection of wizards, got a hold of the Star Wars license and made a D20 uh, RPG called Saga Edition or something. Now, now, just personally, I have no love for Wizards of the Coast, mm-hmm. but I would be delighted if a group of actual wizards got a hold of Star Wars <laughs> and were like, we're going to make a tabletop RPG, boys. Oh my god. Can I... um? Can I uh, do, like, a quick diversion or digression here? Because, like, Mm -hmm. as an NBA fan, there's a team called the Washington Wizards. And it just means that I'll get these amazing, like, YouTube titles come across, like, my my dash all the time. um, Including this one that I'm just sending you right now. And, uh... Frustrated Bradley Beal reportedly, quote, angry with and emotional about, unquote, wizards. Yes. (laughs) And, um, like, a few years ago, me and my friends were playing a Mage the Awakening game, um, which I mentioned last episode, but every time, like, a wizard had just, like, acted like an asshole and we had big feelings about it, we would just, like, paste this image into the group chat. (laughs) Um, Saga Edition, I think it's called, was, um, poorly received, although it did contain many splat books covering all sorts of things from Old Old Republic or Ancient Sith stuff all the way up to New Jedi Order and, like, Vong War stuff. Um, basically the entirety of the Expanded Universe vision of Star Wars was represented in that game. Um, Mm. I did run that once... Um, it has a skill called Use the Force. Not the Force. You make a Use the Force roll that uses the Use mm-hmm. the Force skill. Okay. Um, but that's not the game, thankfully, that we're talking about today. Yeah. No. You won't be uh, rolling any D20s in this game. No. no. Can, can I actually intro us if we don't have anything else mm-hmm. as far as preamble to like my understanding of how you play this game yeah go sure. for it okay so um the first thing that it tells you in the playing the game chapter is like the dice and there are what three kinds of positive dice three kinds of negative dice and force dice And the way that these work, basically, is just that, like, you build up these dice pools um, through having, like, you know, uh, your base attributes, your skills, your equipment, situational bonuses, aid from allies, all the things that, like, you know, would, um, in a game like D&D, for example, would give you, like, advantage or give you, like, just, you know, plus one bonus to your roll, um they here kind of like either give you additional dice or upgrade your dice because like for both positive and negative there are d6s d8s and d12s the bigger dice have better outcomes on them so you want to try to upgrade to those 
And then, you know, after you figure all that out, you have your dice pool. So it's the sort of thing that, like, when I first looked at this, was, like, incredibly fucking daunting. And I'm like, what the fuck are all of these? What are these symbols? What are these dice? When do I get these dice? I don't understand. But I feel like at this point, I can understand it pretty well. And it seems like it's the sort of thing that would be more intuitive in play. Um, Yeah. yeah, Like, it's really just like, okay, well, I'm going to have, like, some kind of standard roles like you know if i'm my character is doing his piloting role then he's going to roll one of the uh ability dice and three of the proficiency dice um and just roll off of that and then you know once i go to a dice roller and simulate that i can see that like ah i get two successes and four advantages on this And, like, intuitively, you know, if you've played, like, games that have, like, multiple successes or partial successes, if you've played games that have, like, you know, fail-forward systems and whatnot, then you can kind of get what those outcomes mean. Um, Successes are basically, like, you know, does your action literally succeed or fail? Um, There are often, like, thresholds that you have to meet um, as far as, like, two successes might not be enough. You might need three for this particularly difficult role. And then advantages are more of, like, the the interesting, like, fail-forward slash, like, narrative control type of things, where they're decoupled entirely from successes. You can fail on a roll and still generate advantages, or you can succeed and generate no advantages and, in fact, even generate some of the opposite of them, which I don't know if those are called disadvantages. I would guess they are. The threats. Threats. Um, so, and those are basically, like, Things that, you know, in the most basic level, they can allow you to, like, crit, but they can also do things like, um, you know, uh, allow you to get a bit of, like, little narrative control in the moment or, like, store an advantage for later. Um, And it feels cool to just, like, build up and accumulate those throughout, like, your roles. Um, I will say, like, I think that this book is fucking horribly written. That's, like, my biggest beef with it. Like, I, it took me so many times of, like, going back and forth between pages, between sections, trying to figure out, like, what does this mean? What is this rule that they're talking about? Um, mm. But I think that, like, once you get it, this feels like it would be a fun system to play. And yeah, like I'll say, as someone who learned this game without touching the book, I think that, that is that holds true to my experience, because... It's like, because there were certainly times early on where we're like, oh, yeah, I, I did so good. And then uh, our GM was like, you didn't roll any difficulty dice. You only rolled good things. You have to mm-hmm. you have to roll the difficulty dice also. <laughs> and so, you know, um, there was some a learning curve and like getting good. Like there was also like just the like act of looking at your symbols, pairing them off because successes and failures cancel each other out and whatever you're left with is like your result um then once you like once we processed that and we're starting to play it more if we ended up flowing pretty smoothly um so reading the book was the for this was kind of the first time i had seen the rules laid out in their fullest Mm -hmm. and yeah it it is um there's a lot to explain through text yeah, like, I, when we talked about, like, um, Vampire the Masquerade in the last episode, and, like, World of Darkness, and the way that does, that, you know, that does it, I said, like, 
you know, one of the one of the things that disappointed me was that like in in that world of darkness system, you get a big pool of dice and then functionally in most situations like multiple you just have to roll one success and it doesn't really matter how many successes that you roll and it is kind of like a a pass fail um system and i think like as as confusingly explained as this system is i feel like once you get it there is a lot of like there's a lot of ways in the dice pool for like your character and the situation and like your character's approach to solving a problem like the ways that Mm. that can be expressed yeah you can you can have so like you can have a character who is like learned at certain skills um you know like it there's like a skill attribute system but instead of um adding both together you know you you kind of decide you kind of decide what attribute you're rolling and what skill you're rolling and then you roll amount of you roll an amount of dice equal to the the greater of those two and then you upgrade and then like for the lower number of those two you can like upgrade you know a certain amount of your dice to like the better the better versions of themselves so like i i like the way that in that, like, your character's kind of specific attributes and, like, um, well, I guess there's attributes and skills, but, like, the way that that can change your dice pool and the way that, like, a situation that you're in can impose itself into the dice pool by adding these negative dice. And then when you roll them, the way that, you know, like Hannah said, you can have a success with no advantages and, like, with these threats that kind of complicate your success and make the situation more difficult overall... Or you can have, like, a rule that is, you know, ultimately a failure, but there are, like, advantages in that. You know, like, and you you fail to, like, you fail to get, you know, your starship running, but, like, you, you fail. You can, like, fail quickly in a way that gives you an opportunity to, like, try something else before, you know, you get, like, surrounded by stormtroopers or whatever. And I think, I, so I... You know, having not played it, I feel like, though, still this dice pool, like, there is a lot of kind of, like, granularity and, like, ability for it to cover, like, a wide range of situations and outcomes, which I really like. And also, we uh, haven't really mentioned the third result, uh, triumphs and despairs, because success symbols and failure symbols cancel each other out. Advantage symbols and threat symbols cancel each other out, but triumphs and despairs always happen, and you even if you get one of each, they don't cancel each other out. The, they also count as a success and a failure, so that aspect cancels out, but the really good thing and the really scary thing will both happen, even if you get one of each, so you can't stop that. So even if that ends up being a failure, like you said, you might also have some other wild shit happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can only get those, you can only get those, like, triumph or despair symbols from, like, upgrading your dice, Mm -hmm. um, and so that's, like, that's, like, a cool thing of, you know, you going, like, oh, you know, I only had one upgraded dice, but I rolled this, I rolled this triumph, and, like, that made my roll end up really good in the end, and I think that's, like, a cool, Mm -hmm. that's a cool result. Um, like, it's really hard to understand in text, because there's so many fucking proper nouns. Like, one of the examples that it gives for the triumph is like 
you know, a weapon's crit range is how many advantages you need on your result to have it do a crit. Um, but the example it gives in, in Triumph is, like, one Triumph can just make that effect happen, and you don't need, like, four advantages, if you know, depending yeah. on what the weapon is. Um mm-hmm. I yeah. like this game a lot, and I'm going to say up front that it is probably top three of my favorite uh, tabletop games in general. Mm. Bold. So I was yeah. I was happy to, div- to sort of dive back in and, and make a guy here. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, like I said, like I, I do think that the biggest weakness of the book is just like how poorly it is written and structured as a book. Um, Mm -hmm. There are things that, like, I still don't understand. Um, And as an example, like, uh, I have a talent that allows me to ignore something called the massive rule. And I have not been able to find anywhere in the book what the massive rule is. Well, you don't need to know because you can just ignore it. (laughs) (laughs) I assume that's something about size categories between ships, right? But I I don't know. Almost certainly. The only place that I find something that's, like, even similar to it is a rule on the Victory Star Destroyer ship itself that says that it has the trait Massive 1, which makes it easier to crit. So I'm like, wait, I'm not ignoring that. I didn't spend, you know, uh, experience to be able to ignore something that helps me. So it's, it's the sort of thing where it's like, again, I have no idea. Uh, what it is, but I I took the the talent anyway because like, oh this seems cool. This seems like the sort of thing that is uh, oh. that that makes for cool moments. Um, I think I see what it is. Oh my god! I think I figured it out. <laughs> okay, if we could explain it without like being too much of a derail, I would love to hear it because I've been sure. like trying to figure out for weeks now. So, massive is a quality that I believe increases how many advantages you need to crit on that target. So by ignoring that, you always have the same chance of critting, even if you're fighting something super oh, big. Oh, that's right. That would be yeah, protected. because the the higher crit range is the worst crit range. Yes, that makes sense. Okay, yeah. All right, I understand this now. So, so you can, yeah. The talent is called Exhaust Port, so it's obviously about like oh, getting yeah. crits on huge things. <laughs> Makes sense. Anyway, yeah, I when I was really making my character, I actually had this book open twice in two different PDFs. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I could That's more so easily cool. scroll through it. This um, was this was the first time uh, using one of the Fantasy Flight Star Wars books uh, digitally, and I cannot stress enough how much more fun it is to flip back and forth in the pages on on this on this one yeah mm. um, pdfs pdfs of like multiple hundred page books hate it when you need to flip back and forth yeah they get so, so angry at you okay can i tell you my other criticism of the game mm-hmm. all right so character creation right yeah the way that the basic system works is that like okay well you you know, you start with your ancestry, um, which can be like, you know, human, Zabrak, Twi'lek, Mary Allen, all the good Star Wars guys, or as it often is, all the really uninteresting Star Wars guys. Um, and then you get yourself a career, which is like one oh. of the big six archetypes here. We've got like warrior, sentinel, guardian, consular, seeker, and something. 
And then within each of those, we have uh, specializations. And the specializations are kind of like the meat of it. Because um, that's where you get the talent trees. Uh, the other things will like, you know, give you some skill points. They'll give you some like inherent traits. But mostly it's like the specializations that determine um, which of these like talents, which are kind of like merits or feats or whatnot that you get. And those feel like they're kind of like the heart of fleshing out an interesting character. Um and those trees are kind of weird and arbitrary at points. I know that Olivia mm-hmm. and I were trying to like figure out some stuff about like if you get something in one place, do you can you ignore it in another place? Or basically like the way that the trees work overall is that like there's the top row and you have to start by taking something in a top row. And then to take any trait that's not in the top row or any talent that's not in the top row you have to draw a line to it consisting of uh, talents that you've picked up. And the problem with this is that sometimes, like, it's not as if these are kind of, like, sub-specializations within specializations. It can be, like, okay, well, I need to get uh, one rank in skilled jockey to get one rank in confidence, to get one rank in rapid reaction, to get one rank in touch of fate. And it's like, none of those necessarily have anything to do with each other. Um, And you can often end up being like, well, I guess that I'm glad that I have this talent because I'm sure it'll be useful in some context. But like, it's it kind of sucks for like creating thematically coherent characters. We're like, well, I don't actually want to spend 10 experience on this because it's not really something that my character is into at all as I'm currently conceiving of them. But I kind of have to if I want to get this later talent that I really like. So mm. I, I see why it's there for a game balance reason. And I'm sure that it does lead to some like cool moments where people realize like, oh shit, I can do hacking because I had to pick that up to get the thing that I actually wanted. Um, but it does feel like, man, why can't I just have the ones that I want? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I... I can attest. Um, I can attest that I had to pick up like a really weird talent that doesn't really fit my image of of my character, but I just had to pick it up because it was a requirement. And then there was a point where I was at like the third row of talents, and I was like, "Well, it doesn't make sense to pay fifteen experience points for this third row talent when I can get like." literally the same talent on the first row of the same tree for five experience so and then like i can get the second talent like below it for 10 experience so i can get two talents for the price of one and just right also also it will count as me having this third tree talent which feels like i'm exploiting game code but it's just literally how the game is laid out the the problem there is that you can't like there might be a talent that's linked to that fifteen cost one that you can't get to through well, another no, because, direction. No, because if you have if you have a talent that is not we because we looked this up, we're very confident in this. If you have a talent <laughs> that is not ranked and you bought it, you just have it and it counts as you having it on any tree for any specialization that you have. We looked this up. Mm-hmm. So, and we checked, and that was not a 
the the one that I could buy for five XP on the same tree was not a ranked talent. So there's no situation where you want to purchase it for fifteen XP when you can just get it for five XP for at no like cost or even like diverting your build. Like it was just optimal to double back and get it, which doesn't which feels weird and feels like it shouldn't happen, but like that's the rules. In a very in a very weird feeling way. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Olivia is right, um, but I think what's more important is that like it is super unclear whether she's right, and mm-hmm. it feels like the sort of thing where it's like you either have to really really know the book like front to back, or you have to just kind of like make a determination with your group about like which of these ways do we think makes sense. Um, yeah. I I also think. Here's my other beef with character creation. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's too much stuff to spend your points on and the restrictions yeah. about like when you can spend points on what and how much it costs are like really weird to me. Yeah. So like things you can spend XP on. It's attributes, it's skills, it's um talents. It's talents. Uh and it's no, because you can also buy specializations. Yeah, but that's As... talents. No, but th- to me that is separate because you have to spend XP on the talents separately. The specializations don't give you talents for free. Yeah, so that's they, not the they same. do make more skills into career skills, but buying a second specialization doesn't give you any talents until you, you spend... Mm. You spend experience yeah, on but... the right to spend experience on additional talents in that. Yeah, but unlocking that is unlocking more talents, is what I mean. So I had that sure. in my head as the same category. Yeah, yeah. but there's also powers just... which, which force powers. I yeah. did not. I did not buy as many talents as I might in another character because I spent most of my XP on force powers, which I think are pretty expensive. I think that the XP cost on force powers is a a little bit high, but I guess I understand. <laughs> yeah, that's my thing. Is like there's so there's so much to spend XP on, and the and stuff gets like so costly. Um, if you really want to go into, so it feels like if you really want to go hard on any one part of your character, you have to sacrifice other parts of your character mm-hmm. yeah. in a way that just like didn't didn't feel good to me. You know. Um, yeah, where we. St- made our characters with what's called knight level play which is kind of like you know advanced start start at a higher level of like experience Mm -hmm. and i still barely felt like i had enough experience to kind of like put together a character that felt like conceptually what i was looking at for the character i can't imagine starting this as like you know a brand new character and like being able to feel like an ownership over who the character is because i feel like this is you know it's 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 kind of like the the risk of like a freeform point by system it's just that like you guys both mentioned there's so much of everything and Mm -hmm. you always are going to feel like this shit costs too much and especially with the way that like things work um with like the the powers also work on that tree system where you have to like draw a path uh, from the top to whatever node you want to pick up, and it it 
it just feels like, oh my god, like, if I want to get all the things that I want, then I have to, like, really jam everything in there. Um, and there's also, like, no... This is the sort of thing where it's, like, I always feel a little iffy about these sorts of games where uh, there is kind of, like, a combat math to it, and the combat math isn't, like, super simple and basic the way that it is in something like, you know, uh, Power by the Apocalypse or Forge in the Dark, where it's just, like, okay, I have plus two in my stat that's, like, brawn or might or body or whatever. Great. I'm the combat person. I can roll for that well. Here, it's something where, like, all of these systems require, like, real investment, but I don't know what any of, like, the thresholds are. I don't know what any of the expected values are. And because there's no, like, level system to kind of, like, guide it and give you this incremental progression no matter what, I don't know if, like, the character that I've made is actually, like, anything resembling, like, what a good pilot would be at this experience threshold, or if I just, like, put too many points in stuff that doesn't matter to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, I have, um... Like, I have a stealth character. The character has uh, three... Has three agility and three points in uh, in stealth. So every time he does a stealth roll, he's going to be rolling three of, like, the highest tier dice. That f- And that feels good to me. Like, is that good? Do they expect me to, like, have four agility? Or, like, four stealth? I don't really know for that level. And... Mm-hmm. I feel like even getting to the point where I was right now, I was like losing, um, losing kind of like an opportunity cost on other skills to like be better able to do anything besides uh, sneak around and uh, yeah. be a coward. I definitely had a moment where I was like, well, I can do the force heal real good. Uh, that's kind <laughs> of all I can bring to the table, which is not actually yeah. true because like, all dice, whether good or bad, have blank sides also. And so, even there's always a chance that you're like, oh, well, I'm not very good at this, but hey, I I, I pulled it off anyway, and I, I didn't have very much results on the bad dice, and so like, rolling two dice is not the end of the world. Uh, I feel like three good dice as a base is like the average like, for the thing that you want to do a lot of, because you can have, I think, a max of five uh, yeah, as, have... as a characteristic, which is how many dice you roll, but, like, that's so expensive, and you can't increase your characteristics outside of character creation unless you take a specific talent that says add plus one to a characteristic. Mm-hmm. Which I did um, not and that part is so weird to me because, like, increasing your characteristics are already the most expensive, like, thing you can mm-hmm. spend XP on. So, like, there's already a disincentive. Like, or there's already, more accurately, there's already kind of a give and take. You know, the, the same way there is in uh, World of Darkness, where it's like, okay, this is the most expensive thing to spend uh, XP on, but it applies to the most situations. So I don't know why further they have this weird kind of, like... It's like bioessentialism, basically, of, like, once your character is created, his body does not change. Or, like, his attributes don't change. Like, mm-hmm. he can only learn at that point. It's like yeah. a weird, like, 
you can't become a more like muscular, tougher person over the course of play for some reason. I I just don't know why. Or like one of the base like attributes is cunning, for example, and this makes it very difficult to like play the sort of character that like starts out as kind of like naive and not really like wise to the ways of the the like seedier parts of the galaxy, but like you know, dives headfirst into that and ends up becoming a lot more, like, canny and resourceful than I thought. You're always kind of going to kind of be, like, shit on cunning if you start there. Mm-hmm. Which, like, you know, I don't think that that is that big of a criticism here. I agree that it's a criticism, but, like, realistically, like, most of these games, you know, you kind of want to start out good at the things that you want to end up good at anyway. Um, I could totally see it as, like, a a fun thing to try to do for, like, you know, a game that is not super, like, about optimization and that is, um, like, a fun challenge for you as a role player to play a character who, like, starts out with very poor abilities in the thing that you're going to be, dev- like, putting all your experience into. But most systems just realistically don't support that either. And this one, like... Yeah, it it feels kind of weird that it like kind of hard codes that a little more into the system, but it it really is just kind of like making explicit what's implicit in all of these games anyway. Mm-hmm. It's it is more of a quibble, but I think it is just like a weird bump in the system that has a lot mm-hmm. of bumps already, and I yeah. don't I don't see the rationale beyond like oh, well, this is kind of what all systems do, which to me seems like a, a, a flaw of most role-playing systems. Mm-hmm. Um, they, like, disincentivize character development. Yeah, absolutely. And then I, I, um, I think that, for me, like, the last kind of, like... And I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, because I feel like this is something that I've also brought up on earlier games, but, like, I always feel a little like leery of point by systems that have a single pool to use and that also have as many like interesting things in them as like the the talent trees are genuinely like there's so much cool stuff on there the fourth power trees have a lot of cool stuff on there and i hate the idea of balancing do i get a cool thing that feels appropriate for my character and would be fun like narratively versus do I get a plus one on this role that I'm going to be making a million times? I hate that that's a tension. I hate that it's the sort of thing where it's like, I I feel like I'm making my character weaker and less reliable by um, choosing the more interesting one. And it just feels like the sort of thing where it's like, well, can we like separate those into different like pools of resources or something like that, such that we can let me take the you know, basic benefits to my core dice rolls without eliminating or, or like kind of taxing the possibility of um, all like the weird stuff that I'm really interested in. Mm. No, yeah, I agree. Like it is a, it is a weird thing. And I think it folds back into like my complaints about all of the different things that you spend XP on. Um, It feels bad to have to spend XP to get a specialization that basically just lets you wield your lightsaber with a with a with a skill other than brawn, which you might not be necessarily good at, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like this is uh and then like to do that, not only to have to do that, but to like spend the XP that your that like 
other players at the table are spending to just like make their characters better you know and that is a thing that comes up in multiple point by systems but just i really felt it here because of the breadth of stuff to spend xp on the cost of spending that xp and then like the the hoops that i felt like i had to jump through sometimes just to make like what i consider like basic star wars stuff i don't know Again, I did not have this problem in the clips phase. That one had a very elegant solution to this, which is to make all the, like, you know, weird narrative stuff just, like, extremely uninteresting <laughs> and boil everything <laughs> down to, like, you know, you get a plus one to this role no matter what. Um, but, like, it becomes a bigger problem the more interesting your system's, like, options for creation and advancement are. And this system has a lot of really interesting options for character creation and advancement. Yeah. I can, my guy can use the force to make people forget he exists. Uh, that fucks. That's really cool. Hell yeah. I once had a character who could use the force to take enemies' weapons out, like their blasters out of their hands and turn them on them. That's not this character, but I had that when I played a different game. I'm going to be honest, Nora, that seems pretty dark side of you. No, she was a Jedi Master. It seems pretty dark side of you. You shoot a man with his own gun? Using the force? It's Order 66, so, you know. It's Order 66, all bets are off. We're survivors here at the Jedi Temple. Order 66 is just like the purge for force morality. (laughs) God. For 24 hours, all dark side is legal. I, I love, like, I... It, it, to, to me, like, I don't know how they flesh this out in, like, the Clone Wars cartoon. I don't particularly have, like, an interest in it. But I love in the, um, like, episode three, just how quickly and without any, like, comment on it, the Clone Wars go from, like, your helpful buddy in the army to, like, all right, let's murder him. Um, mm. it, it's just such a vibe. I love Star Wars. Yeah. How, um, do we have anything else that we want to talk about with the system? Uh, it's not that relevant to our experience with the system today, but, um, generally, XP gain in this game, in my experience, has always been pretty fast, so that you're, like, getting a piece of your thing every session, um, like, chipping Mm -hmm. away at your progress meters and stuff, so... Um, not that that's particularly relevant to the way that we're using it in to like make our guys, but I, I have found that the, um, XP income is always like enough to, to get me to like constantly thinking about, okay, what am I getting now? What am I picking up now? What am I changing or like working toward, uh, in a way that I found really fun, but it's, you know, that's obviously we're not actually playing the game. Yeah. I, I could totally see, like, as I was, like, kind of first spending, like, the in base character creation experience, and then, like, when we went to night level, like, oh, I get these ones more, I could see how it's, like, oh, okay, it goes from, like, this version of character to this version to this version. Mm-hmm. Um, also, if you want to use Force Lightning in this game, you need a Force Rating of 3, which means that you need to work your way down to the bottom of either two different 
specializations, or you need to have the specialization that has two instances of a talent that increases your force rating, which are the, I want to say the Sage and the, there's another one that I can't remember. Pretty cool. Uh, yeah, like the most the most scholarly Yoda types can uh, have a higher force rating, which means that you roll more force dice to use your powers. Yeah, uh, I thought about increasing my force rating while making this character, and I was like, "Man, I can't fuck with this. My brain is already too full." <laughs> <laughs> I did increase mine. Um, Strongest person on the crew. There you go. Um. Okay, so here, I have a question, actually. Um, Because there's one kind of, like, system that is really relevant to my character that we haven't really discussed, which is the vehicle and ship system. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's basically, like, you know, just kind of like a parallel track. Like, the the core resolution mechanics are the same, but, like, there's, for example, different things that you can do when you, uh, for, like, spending advantage and triumph dice uh, when you're in a ship versus when you're not in a ship. Um, and there's like, you know, different weapon systems, different, uh, like actions that you can take and all that. But Nora, who understands the rules of this game, here's my question to you. Sure. Range bands, right? We have Uh these fuckers called range bands. Um, you know, as, as many games do, it's not like, you know, you don't play this on a grid. Um, but it's kind of abstracted out to the level of like, there's a melee range band, there's a close range band, there's a medium, a long and extreme. Um, I have this 4C power, which basically allows me to act like a gay-ass little mission control and give people, like, initiative bonuses and free actions and whatnot um, by, like, you know, just tapping into my force intuition and, like, helping them see something that's going to be coming. Um, That has a range band limitation. But when you're in a starship... You use a completely different set of range bands. Um, and the smallest of those is like a couple kilometers, uh, which is larger than the s- largest range band when you're on foot. My question is, if I'm in my uh, Starfighter and I am uh, kind of zooming around a uh, place, let's say it's a, a station, that your two characters are in, um, can I use this ability to affect you guys because you're within my ship level range bands? This is also, by the way, this question doubles as a like, criticism of the game because I have no fucking idea. And it's the sort of thing where it's like, mm-hmm. it, it, it feels like it is up to interpretation. And like, I know how I would adjudicate it if I was, like, uh, a GM of the game, I would say that, like, yes, you can do it, but, like, you have to make sure that you skim really close to, like, the uh, to the surface of the station, and that might open you up to, like, uh, danger and, and whatnot from, like, space-level threats. Um, but I don't know whether it's, like, actually possible versus, like, house rule, rule of, like, yeah, that would be cool, let's allow it possible. I don't know, um, <laughs> yes. because I've never played a character who used the Force and was a pilot, except for a guy who I played in a different game that wasn't even a Star Wars game, but we, like, skinned it as Star Wars. Um, All right, cool. 
I'm going to declare that yes, I can do the gay little mission control thing. Uh, but if you are someone who yeah, does have experience with this game and I'm talking completely out of my ass, then I'm sorry. My interpretation of the game's intent uh, would lead me to say that you can you would treat the range bands as the same because in the story you would have your character like connecting with people at, over those distances like you know the example of like the force meld which is a thing from the books where like three or like a couple of jedi in ships will like link their minds and fly in formation and stuff yeah. like that um like the story is about that happening and like that is like the thing that still even though you're on a different scale so i would i would not think twice about just applying the same range bands i don't actually know offhand if that's how the the book would say it or if the book says it it might not <laughs> it might not yeah um but yeah cool good to know um yeah as a preview, obviously, my character is a pilot, and it often felt like I wasn't entirely sure whether or not, like, specific actions would, like, be possible in the same way on a, like, ship scale versus an on-foot scale. Um, but I kind of just assumed that they were, such that, like, my character isn't just, like, on a complete island off from the rest of the party and, like, ignoring their existence fundamentally. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's why I would also go with the like house rule that that permits the interaction because otherwise, you know, you have everybody in a ship and then everybody not on a ship, and they are they're playing two different games, and to me, that's not interesting, you know. Yeah, and I, 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 if it works the way that like we're saying that it works and that we hope it works, then like I think that that's a genuinely really cool thing to do, like. I, there are a few uh, things that I can imagine that would be more fun than, like, you know, zooming around the exterior of the the station and, like, going on comms and giving little, like, bits of advice to you guys that confer mechanical benefits to you and also piss you off. A thing that I will note is a sidebar that talks about planetary scale and space scale, mm-hmm. where they, um, planetary scale range bands can represent longer or shorter distances and, like, the difference between short range on a planet and short range on in space are different sizes, but it's the, that's represented this by the same range band. Yeah. So it is my interpretation that, you know, it's, it's not a literal physical range. It is like the camera's range, if that makes sense. I feel that, yeah. Cool. Um, but yeah. Uh... This, this, I also listened to an actual play of this game for a long time, um, which is called Campaign from uh, the One Shot Podcast Network. It, the Campaign like podcast slot is now a different game at this point, but that Star Wars actual play was sort of my um, way back into Star Wars in like 2015, um, and it's just a really great... Uh, actual play, and it was really fun seeing this game in action in that way, because uh, it, it was it's a very like um, plays with abstracts in fun ways. It sounds like y'all want to talk about some guys. I feel about ready to do that. Yeah, I love to talk about some guys. 
I have one question. Are these the guys we're looking for? Alright, well, where can people find you on the internet, Hannah? Yeah, you can find me at HannahYolo on Twitter.com. Where can people find you on the internet? <laughs> I've already done this whole... I've done this joke to an exact thing that Nora did already this mm-hmm. month, so I can't I can't do it again. Yeah, I was I was well, interested to see how far you would take it. I'm just I would just go. I've taken it all the way to like ending an episode before. Well, we didn't literally end an episode, but we did the whole outro, and then yeah. came back after thirty seconds. Very good. Um, okay, and- who? So let's before we talk about any of the characters, the uh, kind of like base concept of what the game is um and like you know what our fake campaign is uh what is it about who are these guys what are they doing so we we are like campaign idea is it's it's set kind of like in between you know in that beautiful field of um you know unexplored canon between episodes three and four oh okay in the time of the in the time of the Galactic Empire. Um, and we are playing a group of Force Sensitives who kind like of Solo, like... Solo, a Star Wars story. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, but, Star so Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Can you can you two shut up for a second, please? <laughs> that one was literally true. It's five after... It's the same year as Fallen Order. Now I'll I shut know. up. Okay. So, <laughs> we're playing three... We're playing three guys who are force sensitive, and they come together to um, do a daring and and possibly suicidal raid on and uh, like a secret imperial prison where the empire kind of like keeps the force sensitives that it captures um, to you know do the do the evil empire thing of basically torturing them until they like become like you know, empire inquisitors hunting down other force sensitives or just, like, die. So... Joker you, five, you might yeah, say. Jo- yeah, that, yeah. That's what becoming dark side is in Star Wars. It's just jokerification. Yeah. Um, and my understanding of, like, why this is, like, a, a crew of force sensitives that are going on this mission is because, like, this is a, a very kind of, like, stealthed up prison. It has, like, all the latest, like, countermeasures. And kind of like the the only way that you can find it basically is if you're force sensitive, because mm-hmm. um, like all the force sensitive prisoners there kind of presumably give off a massive signal. Mm-hmm. So yeah, do how about for an opener? We just go around and we do like name, species, career, specialization, and then like the one sentence pitch. Let's do you do want to do emotional strengths and weaknesses as well? Yes. Yeah, we should okay. do that. That feels like all of a part. Um, okay, cool. Um, I'll go last because I feel like I should probably go last for like the the actual second round with like wh- where we talk about the characters. But okay. Um, I can go first. Uh, I am playing. Um, I love this Star. I love Star Wars names. I'm playing Naru Evrad. There you go. <laughs> A human man. Um, his career is Sentinel, which is like the rogue cop Jedi. Um, and his specialization is Shadow, which is like the thief Jedi. Um, his 
in one sentence, you know, he is kind of the... He is uh, a washed-out student of, like, an underground kind of, like, uh, Jedi training, like, you know, kind of like an underground Jedi school um, who has kind of been, you know, living and surviving on his own uh, for several years. And after being on his own, he has gotten word that, like, one of his former classmates has been captured by the Empire. So he's going on this, like, you know, this mission to, like, rescue them and basically find out what happened to his his kind of, like, old his old classmates and, like, his master that he always, he always had an issue with them. Um, but, you know, he wants to find out what happened to them. Um, his kind of, like, emotional strength is pride, um, which is so funny that they let you choose that, given Star Wars morality <laughs> being what it is. But um, his, his strength is pride, basically. You know, Naru has, you know, pride in himself and his ability to survive on his own, um, his accomplishments, his skills, and he's, like, you know, when he sees a challenge, he's ready to step up and do and like succeed at it. Um, now, on the flip side, his weakness is arrogance, um, which is that he's sometimes a poor judge of his own skills. And uh, he will assume that he has the tools to handle any situation by himself, uh, sometimes for better and uh, sometimes for worse. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um. I'm playing Raval Klar. He's a human Jedi consular with a specialization healer. He has two emotional strengths and weaknesses because you roll a D100 and on a high enough roll you just roll twice. <clears throat> his are enthusiasm and compassion and his weaknesses are recklessness and hatred. Um, he is... For, he was, uh, fought in the Clone Wars as a medic, and at some point he broke away from that, and um, probably the same way a lot of Jedi did, which is Order 66 happened, um, but he uh, was is very invested in the people around him and has a, a desire to help the people around him and to um, mend things that are broken and be in people's business. And um, that can also lead to being over um, overbearing with that at times. Or um, there is the sort of like medical viewpoint of a situation of like, okay, I'm upset that clones are being hurt. Mm -hmm. Then I follow that up the path of I'm upset at the droids for hurting them. I'm upset with the separatists for making the droids that hurt them. I'm upset with the higher, like the Republic who send the clones to get hurt by the droids that the, the separatists make. I'm upset with the Republic for not preventing the war that causes the separate, like tracing all of the root cause, the symptoms all the way back to the core. Uh, it eventually becomes like, I'm upset with the Jedi order for allowing this crime to like occur. Um, and getting sort of disillusioned with, um, that endeavor. But he's also like, and that can become, 
uh, hatred in that way of like I need to uh, excise this thing that is causing pain and I will like treat it, it like treat people like illnesses in certain ways if that makes sense um, and like destroy parts that that are hurting people um, but he's also very um, uh, what's the, like a smart way to say um, he, he's a bottom uh, he's 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 very I, loving I get what you're saying and affectionate uh-huh um, he's yeah but he I also has hatred hmm I don't get what you're saying <laughs> you know a very invested <laughs> oh a bottom yeah I don't I guess I'm not explaining him very well um no I I got everything until the last thing uh then that's fine uh, I yeah. know you called him a pussy when we were discussing this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, yeah. We're being so mean to the little Star Wars guy. <laughs> so yeah, I, um, he's a wimp. Sure. Is what I mean. There's no rule in the Jedi rulebook that says you can't be a wimp. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's not a fighter very much. Uh, and he's very... Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I had a question. Mm-hmm. How how old is he? Uh, Star Wars age. Because <laughs> I, you know, this is uh, this is not the end of the world, but I think we might be working on different time scales here. Um, because uh, I, you have this, you have this backstory of like. A character who was old enough to fight in the Clone Wars, which I guess doesn't mean that old. Like they, yeah, they were so fourteen. Yeah, they were sending yeah. teenagers out there. Um, <laughs> so you don't have to be that old, but like in in my backstory for Naru, I was imagining somebody who kind of like had this like secret Jedi training, like after the fall of the Jedi Order. Um, mm-hmm. And those aren't like irreconcilable age differences, um, mm-hmm. but it's just something that I was like like, thinking about in terms of, like, time scale. I guess I was thinking about, like, characters kind of more like Luke Skywalker who, like, just weren't born when Clone Wars stuff was happening. Um. Uh. Well, it's, it's... It's only been a few years mm-hmm. since the end yeah. of the Clone Wars. I was thinking that uh... This guy would be in the, like, 19 to 21, like, Star Wars character age, because he would have been a Padawan during the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. So probably, like, Ahsoka age. Got it. Uh, help, and helping at a, like, in some... What do they call it? It's not a hospital when it's in the military. But you know what I mean. The place where the medicine happens <laughs> in a war... Um, they call them they call those hospitals. Yeah, they just call it a field hospital. Okay. Yeah, field that hospital, one. military hospital. Um, but yeah, uh, I was I was picturing that sort of age range. Gotcha. Okay. Well, we'll just we'll just say that like we'll just say that Naru was like you know if if um 
Here, you know, here's, if like here's what we'll do, we'll just no, I got out. it, I got it. I was okay, just stumbling. It. I was just stumbling over words. But um, like if Raval is like a, a Padawan during this, then Naru is like you know a youngling during this. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so like yeah. just just shift his life back a little bit on the galactic time frame. Yeah, because I, I I figure basically like what we can kind of do is just like once we've heard the basics of all three of the characters is just like figure out how old they are in relation to each other. And then, you know, the specific ages don't really matter as much. Mm -hmm. All right. Do we want to talk about my character? Of course. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, his name is Jazzy Londo. Uh, great star Wars name. IMO. Uh, he is a Miriallan which is the type of green guy that uh, if you watched a Clone Wars uh, cartoon, um, Barris Ophi and Luminara Unduli are. Uh, don't know if that's how you pronounce it. I've never watched that shit. I just know those characters from my Star Wars Hero Collector game. Um, but they're mm-hmm. basically just green guys. Um, and his career is Warrior. With a specialization in Starfighter Ace. Uh, He's got an emotional strength of love and an emotional weakness of recklessness. Um, And what that basically means is that he's like... um, I I put a picture of uh, a guy who I kind of imagine him as a green version of in our chat. Um, Mm -hmm. You gotta scroll up for this guy a little bit, but... I'm sure that I can get him again. Here we go. Um, Nora and Olivia, how would you describe this guy who is like the who feels like the human Jazzy Londo? Um, I guess the first word that springs to mind is like hunk. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a bro. He's very chill. He's kind of like. Um, He's 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 like a surfer type guy, basically. He's the sort of he guy... does kind of look like surfer AU Wayne Radio TV. All right, sure. Uh, I still <laughs> d- still don't really know who Wayne Radio TV is, but my friends seem to love him very much. So I'm going to take that as a compliment here. He's one of um, the white boy streamers. You know them. Uh, yes, but I. I feel like there's a lot going on there that I don't necessarily know. All right, this guy. If he was in the real world, he would absolutely, like, kind of be into yoga. He would have a lot of bracelets. He would do, like, the, um... He would, like, use Hawaiian terminology a little offensively uh, sometimes. Um, And he's just, like, this very sort of, like, uh, amiable, hot guy uh, who's very much in the kind of like laid back idiot jock vibe um so that's him as far as like his general vibe and it makes sense then that like love would be a strength because like he's the sort of guy who will say things like it's all love in response to like nothing much in particular um and his weakness is recklessness because like he kind of has like a devil may care attitude about a lot of these things and Something that, like, um, the book says that, like, the Miriallans believe is that uh, they're, like, 
all about like fate and destiny and you know things that are destined um as a kind of like let looser way of following the force than you know actual like jedi or sith practice and i think that like the easy way to kind of like manifest that is in this kind of like you know very wise oracle type of way um but the important thing about jazzy is that like he's just a like a lunk at your local gym uh who's like very friendly but also kind of an idiot so like his version of being very into like prophecy and fate and destiny is just kind of being like yeah man whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen and like putting himself in a lot of like really reckless and dangerous situations because he's like has that confidence in fate um which may in fact be unearned Mm -hmm. um so yeah as far as like uh so so we got a jock a nerd and a goth (laughs) basically who's the goth Nara is like the closest thing to a goth. He wears a oh, lot of what? black and he sneaks around. He's yeah, a, that's what goths do. Yeah, he's also kind of a burnout. Yeah, mm. yeah. But okay, yeah, a goth. Uh, yeah, a, a jock, a jock, a nerd, and a burnout. There we it's go. Classic. I think. I think that Raval might be nerd prep cusp. Okay. <laughs> then, I, then I want to be burnout golf cuts. Fuck you. Great. G- cool. We're all cusping. And we got a jock stoner cusp. For there we go. Yeah. Yeah. There we fucking go. We've got every type of guy now. Amazing. Okay. Cool. So, uh, Jazzy is uh. I, I have, like, an intro scene written for him that I feel like is going to piss Olivia off. Um, and so I, I, I don't want to burn that yet. But basically, like, um, his whole deal is that, like, he was never trained in the Force. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, what did happen is that, um, you know, he, he, like, grew up as part of, like, a big family. And he was, like, the oldest sibling and he, like, really loved his little siblings, and, you know, the family was obviously still growing. And when he was little, um, he remembers that this Jedi Knight came, uh, another Mary Allen, uh, was dispatched back to, uh, you know, the planet where she was born to assess Jazzy for Jedi training. And, you know, he, like, passed the test with flying colors and, you know, uh, basically, like, overheard his parents talking to the Jedi Knight about, like, oh yeah, we're going to take Jazzy and, and train him and, you know, you're probably never going to see him again. And he really couldn't deal with that. Um, so he was like, all right, I have a master plan. It's to throw the biggest tantrum I can in order to not be trained because they'll see that, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm way too poorly behaved to be trained this way. Um, and so he, like, threw his tantrum in front of the Jedi Knight, and, uh, apparently it worked, um, because she said, all right, well, we're actually going to leave him here, and just, you know, uh, zipped off in her starfighter, and, uh, he never saw her again. Um, but the thing is, and this kind of, like, informs a lot of, like, where Jazzy is mentally and spiritually, is that uh, when Order 66 happened, his parents were like, oh, shit, like, we need to 
uh, keep him safe. Because, um, like, we know that, you know, the Jedi just tried to do a coup and, you know, there's, like, a big crackdown on all of them and all the Force users, basically. So um, they gathered up all their savings. They paid off their friend who is in Republic Intelligence slash Imperial Intelligence um, to basically, like, delete any records of him uh, that were, like, seized from the Jedi. And uh, as it turns out, the friend reported back and was like, yeah, there was nothing. Like, I checked and there were records of children that were, like, assessed and deemed not viable for the training. But, yeah, no, your son just isn't in these records at all. Um, It seems like either someone already deleted them or they never made a record in the first place. Um, And Jazzy has kind of figured out at least what he's pretty sure that's all about, which is that um, the main way that his force powers manifest is uh, it's called the foresee tree. He has a lot of like intuitions and premonitions and visions and all of that. And um, he knows that like when he has one of these visions while he's awake, um, he'll apparently get this kind of like far away and kind of dopey look on his face that his like friends and siblings will make fun of. And he remembers that, like, oh, damn, that look was on the Jedi Knight's face for a moment as I was throwing my tantrum. And, like, she probably saw something there. And if I had to bet, what happened isn't that she actually rejected me, because, like, it did always seem, like, a little too easy. Um, but that instead what happened is that she saw that I was destined for something that would require me to be outside of like the Jedi system. Um, Something that like would require me to survive order 66. And so basically as he sees it, like, you know, he has like this nice little family business where he like has an airspeeder that he takes tourists up in flights to like the beautiful and inhospitable parts of Mirial to. Um, and you know he he is just like living life in this like very quiet and and loving way with his family but he's kind of just like waiting for this destiny to knock on his door because like he has this strong sense that like uh, the jedi didn't reject me they were saving me for something and he has a lot of like very complicated feelings about that that he kind of does his best to hide because like it's easier for him to just like kind of present as like you know the this really like kind of dopey bro um but yeah he's he's kind of just been like waiting throughout his like you know teenage years and early adult life for someone to like knock on his door and say that like hey your destiny is here and as it turns out that's gonna happen at the start of this campaign Mm -hmm. you went so much harder on the backstory than either of us did (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry I got it. I just, I was like, well, not in the first pass. I don't want to do the whole thing in the first pass, but I can do, I can do the whole, I can do the whole spiel. I just didn't know how to balance it necessarily. Um, Cause like, you know, you, you guys gave a little bit of the backstory. Um, so yeah, you guys can like kind of catch up to where I'm at and then we can like, uh, we can, we can do another round of like how the party gets together. I don't have that much to add to mine, uh, because um, I just sort of, like, do the broad strokes at character creation, and then mm-hmm. I'll, like, think of shit to say during the session to, like, fill it in as I go. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I, I don't, I think I mostly conveyed the, the vibe of like guy who's super he- eager to help people around him, but sometimes that can like manifest poorly. Um, mm-hmm. Was in the Clone also, Wars. Yeah. And like the sort of thing of like, uh, it's my responsibility to help people. And if I fail, it like, if somebody dies, that's my fault, you know? Yeah. Um, Natural, also, a perfectly healthy thing to think in your brain. Yeah, perfectly natural thing for a, someone who went to be a, a war medic at age 14. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you have, um, are there any, like... Oh, there's one other aspect to mention about Raval. Um, is that he's a planner. Hmm. Um, he doesn't have a lightsaber. So, when given the option of either a lightsaber or 9,000 credits worth of uh, gear and equipment, I chose the latter. And if you think there's lots to spend XP on in this game, there's even more to spend money on in this game. So, we are fucking stocked in our ship. That's cool, because I took the lightsaber and was like, yeah, I'm not thinking about this shit. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. I bought everything we could possibly need in the ship. And Raval keeps it all organized and stowed in the proper places. Um, uh, if you could, if you n- remember at the beginning of the movie Twister, when the guy's like, "Who folded these maps? Roll the maps." Now Kansas has a big crease through it. Roll the <laughs> maps. That's that's Raval's vibe. <laughs> Nara's okay. vibe is like guy who drinks milk out of the carton. <laughs> We're like. This group is going to kill each other on this ship before they ever reach the Imperial Prison <laughs> facility. <laughs> yeah, like any good adventuring party. Um, but yeah, so like, Naru, I guess it's like version 2 now, um, mm-hmm. to like accommodate the timeline a little better. But, you know, basically, kind of as I said, he was like uh, a youngling in the Jedi Order, you know, right around the end of the Clone Wars. And I figure he... Um, you know, like, one of the Jedi Masters, and then, like, a small group of other younglings, like, escaped uh, Order 66. Uh, the details of that not super important. Every Jedi who needs to escape Order 66 can, in fact, escape Order 66. This is just Star Wars canon. Um, but yeah, so they basically went into hiding, where, you know, Naru's Master was, like, kind of trying to train them all in this kind of like jedi training that they were supposed to get but also like kind of on the fly figure out how to train them in ways that like would not get them like captured and tortured by the empire um and naru was like nine years old and like a little dickhead about it um Mm -hmm. so he was kind of like he was like a really crappy student um especially on the run um because he definitely he definitely had that sense of like hey all of our guys just got killed are we gonna do something about that or are we just gonna like hide um and so you know all the kind of like jedi lessons about like patience and serenity and like the will of the force and all of that he was just kind of like this this is bullshit to me um Mm -hmm. he turned the he turned the will of the force into the will of shit flip the barbecue (laughs) table um Yeah, and I think this is just kind of, like, his pattern, you know, like, in the group of, like, students, he is, like, the, the, like, worst student, and the one who's, like, always fighting, um, 
with the teacher, but like in the specific way of like, have have either of you ever like been in class with a kid or like seen a kid in class who like fights with the teacher just because he like, or just because they like ask questions the teacher doesn't want to answer or deal with, so yeah. they get you know, um, I I want to be clear he was definitely a little shithead, but also there's a degree to which like you know his his master who was training him was just like can you just shut up and like learn the things that I'm teaching you and not ask, you know, serious questions about, like, what we intend to use this knowledge for um, and, like, what our what our grander plans are. Um, and it all kind of culminates, I think, with, like, no running away from all of it, basically, you know? Mm-hmm. Just, like, when he's kind of a young teenager, like, you know, taking the supplies he thinks he needs and striking out on his own. And kind of the thing that happens while he's on his own is that, like, he is really good at, he discovers that he's really good at, like, learning on the fly, you know, um, his ability to kind of, like, use the force and also, like, you know, just take care of himself, kind of, like, really blossom as he's on his own, um, and so he is able to survive just kind of, like, by himself, you know, on, like, random planets, um, kind of figuring out how to make money, how to get by, and, like, critically also, like, how to fuck with, like, the Empire whenever he can, um, I think a lot of his kind of, like, a lot of his, like, you know, he's, like, the stealth and lying to people and, like, breaking into computers class. And, uh, you know, he mostly uses that to, like, mess with um, the Empire as, like, his, like, in effect, kind of, kind of ineffective, but, like, emotionally cathartic, like, one-man crusade against this stuff. Um, You know, he has a lightsaber and he tells, he tells a story about, like, you know, breaking into, like, a big repository of Jedi stuff and, like, stealing the lightsaber and, like, you know, like, destroying the archive so that the Empire can't use it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Which is a story that, like, I think if you heard it, you're like, wait, you you bombed the you bombed this Jedi archive? It's like, <laughs> and just took, like, the thing that was immediately useful to you? And it's like, yeah, he did that. And he's proud of that. Yeah, um, yeah and then, like, my idea for how he gets involved in that mission in this mission is like uh, while kind of like on one of his like breaking into imperial computer records sprees he finds like a list of force sensitives who have like just been captured and are like were on the planet that he was on for transfer to this like secret prison and then he like recognizes one of the names he's like oh oh like that's one of my old classmates and so that's his motivation of like get to the prison, find my classmate, and, like, figure out what happened after I ditched them, like, six years ago, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, a, that's awesome. the backstory part. Girls love it. Yeah. Um, so, I think that there's obviously not that much to add to mine, but I, I do want to just kind of, like, mention a couple more notes about, like, his life and personality. Um, I mentioned that his job is that he is a tour pilot. Um, So, like, he mostly has experience with the planetary version of piloting, though, like, you know, so did Luke Skywalker, and he was a unbelievably good space pilot as soon as he uh, tried doing it. So uh, I don't feel like like that stretches the, quote, realism, end quote, of Star Wars. Yeah, the skills the are o- transferable. This is Star Wars canon. Yeah, it's Star Wars. Um, and the other thing is that, like, 
um, you know, I've, 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 I feel like you guys have both gotten the impression that he's like a little obnoxious already. Um, and like, I specifically didn't give him any like charm skills or any like social skills really at all, because like, I feel like he's a sort of guy where it's like his shit either works on you or it doesn't. Um, like either like you, you are on the same wavelength as him or like you are just going to find everything he does a little more annoying. Cause like, I, I know this is kind of like on the surface, a bit of a contradiction, but like you, have you met people who are both like laid back and show offs? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, oh, you know what it is? Um, I feel like to, to kind of go with like this stoner jock cusp vibe of him. He's someone that, like, is really good at a space version of Ultimate Frisbee. Um, so it's it's that type of, like, you know, vibe. And he, he loves to, like, you know, kind of show off and, and, like, be really uh, impressive and flashy and also kind of, like, be self-consciously like, oh, that's no big deal um, when he does it. In ways that, like, I can imagine would piss people off if it doesn't, like, immediately endear uh them to him um the guy who's good at things derogatory yeah exactly (laughs) um that's something that i did with this character is that like because there are things that like don't actually cost anything um on or rather like because there's a specific like list of skills and traits and whatnot um like anything that's outside of those i feel like he can just be really good at in ways that like don't actually convey mechanical benefits. So I decided, for example, to have him be like a really good chef um, and not in a way that can like, you know, provide stat buffs to anyone who like consumes his food or like, you know, he doesn't have any dots, for example, into survival skills. So he can't actually like forage for meals in the wilderness. But like if you give him a good kitchen and the proper ingredients at like, you know, the local marketplace, then he can, like, make an obnoxiously good meal. Um, and, in fact, he does love to do that. So, yeah, that's that's just, like, kind of his vibe on a daily basis. Um, you said that all he his... with his shirt off, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, uh... Um, this is important that's like the... lore that I want to make sure it makes it into the episode. Oh, believe me, that's in the intro scene that I've uh, kind of, like, uh, uh, got in the, in the pipeline. But, like... Yeah, like, his, all his siblings, like, love him and, and basically, like, think he's the coolest person ever and, like, don't really understand how he could be, like, seen as obnoxious and exhausting. But, like, it's extremely reasonable to see him as exhausting and obnoxious. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I could do, like, that interesting now if we're done with, like, the backstories and uh, we... So, do you think that, like... uh? So it sounded like uh, Naru is kind of, like, uh, going first with this. Like, uh, the one who maybe, like, comes up with the idea for the mission. Is that right? That's the that's kind of the interesting thing, because I feel like Naru has, like, the most personal motivation in this, but also, like, Raval is the planner one. So if, Nora, if you wanted to have Raval be kind of, like, the guy organizing this stuff, I would defer to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it would also be in Naru's character to go, like, hunting down weirdos and be like, yeah. alright, you're with me. Yeah. I think that, that's... Oh, go for it. 
I think that the version where Naru assembles the team makes sense to me. Okay. Yeah. So I how about they... mm-hmm. um, it, at at the two of your discretion? Um, could we have it that like when Naru finds this like here's the list of force sensitives that are like in this sector that we just captured? Um, could he mm-hmm. also find a list of like here are some suspected force sensitives and could his kind of like method of recruitment just kind of be like going down this list and finding these people and being like, Hey, <laughs> all right, you got to get the fuck hey, are out you of a here. wizard. Like you one, one, you have to get out of here. Cause they're on to you Two, Do you want to go on my suicide mission? Yeah, I'm into it. Uh, um, yeah. Naru, uh, critically, no, no skill in, in leadership, which is a like, defined quality that uh mm-hmm. it's like it's one of the skills that like you need Dobson. so he's probably not the most effective guy at doing this but clearly he convinces at least two people so it's mm. funny because i i do have i think ranks in leadership mm-hmm. and i i think then that it makes sense that like one of the first people he goes to contact is like Oh, I kind of, like, washed out on my first few tries, and it's clear that, like, I don't necessarily have the most idea of how to do this. Why don't I try to find someone who could, like, actually, like, take over the the planning aspects of this? Everyone I talk to is a fucking pussy, and they don't want to come on my suicide mission. Now you just need a pussy who does want to come on a suicide mission. <laughs> I was wrong. I don't have leadership. I have negotiation, which is the same thing. That, yeah, that's something. You know who has... You know who has ranks in that skill? It's Obi. Oh, it's Obi. Obi yeah. negotiator. <laughs> Love that man so much. Um, okay, cool. So so Naru first recruits uh, Val, and then the two of them go to recruit Jazzy. And uh, basically, here's here's the the scene that I imagined uh, for like Jazzy's official intro to the campaign. So, like, you know, they basically, like, ask around, like, the, the town and are like, hey, we're looking for Jazzy Londo. Um, and it's like, you know, they point it to his house. And uh, when they, like, knock on the door, he, like, tells them to come in. And he's got his back turned to them as he finishes up his, this meal that he's cooking while wearing his, like, pink flight suit with the top half unzipped and tied around his waist so that he's, like, shirtless. Um, and he is kind of, like, humming along as he's finishing up these meals and tells them to, like, you know, just hold on a second. It's going to be worth waiting for. He promises. And he places the dishes. He offers them up, um, with, like, an expectant cocky grin while, like, planting one foot on a chair. Uh, he pulls off his pilot's goggles, uh, which he'd been using to keep his hair out of his face while he cooked. And, uh, he does his, like compulsive character tick that he's always doing which is that he pushes his hair back out of his face in kind of like a uh obnoxiously flirty way i'll say um Mm -hmm. olivia would you agree with that assessment because like i've mined that gesture in front of you yeah it's really obnoxious yeah it's really obnoxiously flirty Um, if, if we lived in a video game that gesture would constitute like a taunt ability yeah <laughs> he is constantly spamming the taunt button um and he you know like asks like how they're enjoying their food and it turns out that like you know it's perfect you guys both love it um 
and he pumps out a fist and he sticks his tongue out in triumph and he's like but i tell you guys undefeated i swear it's not even a challenge anymore ever since the dreams got this clear um and before you can like really digest the implication that he just like made you meals based on uh his force premonitions which is in fact what he does all the time which is like one of the most obnoxious things i could imagine doing with the force uh so he takes a seat at the table and asks you very directly so what can i do for two geniuses that are about to get me killed and that's jazzy fuck this guy (laughs) i might (laughs) i'm gonna start a fight those are the two responses to Jossie. <laughs> Canonically, those are the two. Fuck this guy and I bite. <laughs> uh, fuck this guy and don't mind if I do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. What? He's, he's a special man. Yeah. Okay, so. Numbers. Crunch. Skills. Crunch. Let's talk about this. So Naru's... What do you got? Nara's characteristics. He has two brawn, three agility, two intellect, four cunning, two willpower, and two presence. Um, being a human, you know, they get like the basic stats spread. Uh, two, we, as I think we mentioned earlier, there's a maximum of five in every characteristic, and two is considered average. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, average across the board, he's pretty good at the two things that he does. Um, as far as his skills, he has two ranks in computers. He has one rank in coordination, which is like physical coordination. Um, mm-hmm. He has three ranks in deception, two in perception, two in skullduggery, which is like, I guess they didn't <laughs> want to make, you can't make lockpicking a skill in Star Wars, but it's like the crime skill. Yeah, larceny. Yeah, and he has uh, he has three ranks in stealth, and also three ranks in lightsaber. Because um, he's a sneaky guy, but he will kill a dude. Yeah. Um, as far as his uh, talents, um, he has Codebreaker. Uh, one rank of Codebreaker, which lets him like remove a setback die uh, per rank of Codebreaker from any check to like break codes or um, decrypt communications. Um, he has a talent called Master of Shadows, um, which lets him, um, suffer too strain, uh, to decrease the difficulty of the next stealth or skullduggery check he makes by one, and strain is, like, mental HP, basically. Um, so he can take a brief hit to that and, you know, make his next, uh, uh, sneaky guy check better. Um, he also has a talent called Now You See Me, which once per session lets him make a hard deception check um hard being like uh it's uh three difficulty dice in the check um to make a number of npcs equal to his cunning uh score which is uh four uh within medium range uh forget about him (laughs) so uh dude gets a redo if he gets caught um he also has the uh he also has talent sleight of mind which adds one boost die to all stealth checks unless the opposition is immune to force powers. So, good at sneaking, good at lying, um, good at skulking around, and has generally has force powers that uh, improve that. Um, he also has, like, the force power, uh, Sense, 
which uh, allows him to like use the force to sense things around him. Um, he can sense the presence of living things. Um, he can sense like the emotional state of like targets that are close to him, and he can like focus his force powers to sense people's like current thoughts, um, and also like spend more points to sense more people farther away. So. He uses that to, like, talk to people sometimes, but mostly to, like, have a radar for his stealth. Oh, yeah. Oh, he also, uh, he also has a green, <clears throat> green lightsaber. Uh, for what it's worth. Okay. I think he's Jazzy's the- green. Yeah. Is that something that Jazzy says at one point? <laughs> do you mean I'm green, or do you mean Jazzy says, Jazzy's green? <laughs> either one, honestly, I could, I could see either one. I I think he might say something like, right, "Cool, we mash." Uh, <laughs> when when he ignites his lightsaber, <laughs> bro, your laser sword and me, like, check it out. Yeah. That's pretty cool. What what is happening here? <laughs> Love the laser sword, <laughs> bro. This is destiny, man. And the force. All right, all right. I feel like you guys are caricaturing Jazzy a little bit. We are, we are kind of flanderizing him. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in our defense, it's funny. Yeah, I think I think that like I I would be totally happy to like um, to have like if we were actually doing this campaign to have like those uh, uh, jokes where like Jazzy basically becomes the double rainbow guy, like as table talk. <laughs> but like, I do want to make it clear that those are jokes. The character is obnoxious, but in different ways, he yeah. does not actually mm-hmm. talk like that. I feel like he would, I feel like he would, my like actual read on Jazzy is that he would point out that he and the lightsaber are both green. Um, but to him, that would be like a joke. Like, that would yeah. be funny to him to point out. And if it makes Naru visibly mad, that would also be kind of funny. Just yeah, I, I I think that he would maybe, like, nod a few times and be like, yeah, all right, I dig it. And, like, Naru realizing the implication, just be like, what? No, what the fuck is wrong with you? Shut up. Uh, Naru, you want to talk about your guy? My guy? <clears throat> yeah. So... Revolclar has Brawn 2, Agility 2, Intellect 3, Cunning 2, Willpower 2, and Presence 2. Cool. Yeah. Um, he has uh, a mildly upgraded Strain Threshold, which means he takes, you know, stress a little bit better. Um, he's got His skills include uh one rank in charm education and lore three ranks in medicine and one rank in negotiation ranged light vigilance and xenology i thought that was one scale for a second negotiation mm-hmm. ranged <laughs> <laughs> i'm only good at melee negotiation which is you know aggressive negotiation charging towards you to negotiate <laughs> Range negotiation is how it feels to be on Twitter sometimes. <laughs> um, uh, let's see here. I have my... Uh, oh, also powers. So I have the influence power, which is the mind trick sort of skill tree. Um, and basically, 
it is to the point where if I'm making a coercion, charm, deception, leadership, or negotiation check, I can roll a force die, and if I get any light side points on it, I can spend those for either successes or advantages on that roll. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Uh, that's that's to represent his bedside manner. He he also has a talent called uh, calming aura, which means that if any ally is targeted by an opponent's force power, I can decrease the number of force points that they get on their roll by the number of ranks I have in that talent. Um, so I just make it harder for other people to attack us with the force. <laughs> just hold and just hold him up. And he's like a talisman that wards <laughs> off evil. Exactly. <laughs> it's very Because uh, it's, it's very much like, I'm going to try and put out a soothing presence to like help the people around me when I'm like treating them and when I'm talking to them and sort of like get through to them and understand what their issues are and also like to help soothe their pain as I am like dealing with their injuries and to help with that I have the heal power which is also the hurt power it does both <laughs> he usually only uses the heal side of it but basically by default, it's an engaged target, which means, like, touch range. And um, it actually heals equal to intellect, and it's upgraded so that it also heals equal to the medicine rank, which means that when he uses it, if it's successful, he heals six wounds, and your number of wounds will usually be between one and, like, 12-ish. Yeah, six wounds, uh, so is, he, he can, six wounds is half of Nara's, like, whole HP. Mm-hmm. Six wounds is, like, the base damage of a lightsaber attack, I think. Um, used to be more. When the Edge of Empire first came out, uh, the lightsaber was much more lethal. Uh, yeah. But, um, also, if, if I roll zero dark side points... It also heals strain as well as wounds. Uh, same amount. So he's very good at just hitting you with a big burst of of, um, of, of heal. And also that does count... There are, There's um, items called stim packs that also are like quick heals, but you can only use five of them in a day because they'll like saturate in your system because they're drugs. Mm-hmm. The, the heal force power counts as a use of the stim pack so you can't get that many i can't like blast you full of force healing forever um there are limits there that makes sense from a game balance perspective but i do think it's lame (laughs) look you can only manipulate the midichlorians so much i got too many midichlorians i'm like anakin skywalker (laughs) over here you can't put any more in me if i put more midichlorians into you you're gonna become a main character just, just imagining, like, uh, uh, Jazzy just walking down the street, and he's, like, extremely wide. He's just been, like, stretched with, like, the Photoshop stretch tool, <laughs> because he got packed with too many midichlorians. Um, like are y'all interested in... Day. Are y'all interested in hearing my inventory as well? Or uh, sure. Because you, like, made a point of buying interesting stuff, I would love to hear it. Uh, real, real quick, though, um, mm-hmm. I just want to say that one of my favorite, like, Star Wars, like, not capitals expanded universe, but, like, lowercase expanded universe. One of my favorite, like, Star Wars expanded universe bullshit is, like, the idea of force heal. 
Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's core now. That's in the movies. Hmm? When is it in the movies? It's in The Rise of Skywalker. Oh, I didn't watch that movie. And also The Mandalorian. I, I didn't watch that shit. Well, we will. Uh, oh, that's a threat. It's such a threat. No, it's a promise to have a nice time together. God, it's no. such a threat. It's a threat. Okay. And I'm in danger. I have, I have operated under the assumption of, like we said in our chat, that our ship is similar or identical to the ship from Rebels that has, like, a main ship with a, um, what's the word? Not a satellite, but, like, a, a tertiary, like, smaller, um... We, we have, like, uh, a, a little freighter and, like, a, a starfighter, right? Yeah, a little starfighter that, that docks in the ship, mm -hmm. and that you go out and you pilot the, the shooty parts, and then we're in, like, the main ship. Yeah. So, with that in mind... So I have just on hand 1,110 credits because I ran out of things to buy. Okay. But I also have a speeder bike, a light blaster pistol, a vibro knife, heavy clothing, two doses of synthetic anesthetic, five liters of Bacta, a pair of electro binoculars, two emergency med packs, one in the ship, one in the starfighter, a physician's kit, 20 stim packs, 18 stocked in the ship, two on hand, three restraining bolts, uh... 63 field rations, which is one week's supply for three people. Uh, four spacesuits, a tent, four thermal cloaks, two wilderness survival kits, one in the ship and one in the starfighter, and four breath masks slash respirators on the ship in case of a uh, breach or in case we have to land somewhere where there's no uh, breathable oxygen. I love the idea of like revolving at the like space target, like holding up the vibro knife and being like, well, it could come in handy. Like, <laughs> I do I need this? Yeah, I need this. I need this. <laughs> Just, like, putting it in his bag? The blaster pistol and the vibro knife were his personal effects. Okay. He didn't buy um, the space target. No, I don't think he bought... I think he probably got the vibro knife from a clone. Like, he killed it? I think that's... No, like, as a gift. Oh, okay. Before, before the um, killing. Yes, because he, like, bonded with the clones in that his Jedi, his master, Laral, was, like, in charge of. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I just went down the line and was like, okay, five liters of Bacta. Not, not really going to look up how to use that right now, but we have it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so everything is, is just stocked up. I've got some, like, emergency, uh, like tools and stuff in both the ship and in the starfighter just in case somebody's in it and it gets shot down or something um and also there's a speeder bike in the in the in the cargo bay because uh <clears throat> that was an easy way to spend 4500 credits <laughs> <laughs> and um it can't hold more than one person but it's it's pretty cool yeah, we can go swoop racing like in kotor <laughs> I don't know if it can it can hang with swoops, but you know it's a swoop. It can hang with swoops if I'm piloting it. Oh shit! Uh, yeah, swoop is like a like a faster. I was wondering if swoop. Type, and, I think I had been assuming that a swoop and a speeder were the same thing, but I got. I guess I was a fool. <sighs> a swoop is a um. It's like a um, a speeder bike that's specifically 
designed to be as fast as possible. So it's like the difference between like a a normal like motorcycle and like a performance motorcycle. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. All right, Hannah. Cool. Take Hi. It away. Let's do this. Um, okay, so. Jazzy's attributes. We got brawn two, agility four, intellect two, cunning one, uh, which I believe is the only one among our pool because humans start with two and everything. Uh, mm-hmm. But I've got one in cunning. Uh, it's not a very guileful person, is Jazzy Londo. Um, and then two willpower, two presence. Skills. We've got one rank in athletics, one in discipline, one in mechanics, and one in perception. Uh, and then two ranks in cool and space piloting. Cool is not how cool you are. It's like how cool you can stay under pressure, basically. Um, and he has a very, like, you know, like I mentioned, laid back attitude. So he can do that quite well. And he has three ranks in gunnery. So he can probably win most uh, space battles that you put him against. Um, so talents. We've got here talented or skilled jockey, which lets me remove a setback die from my piloting checks. Confidence, which decreases difficulty of discipline checks to avoid fear. Solid repairs, which lets me uh, repair better when I'm repairing a starship or vehicle. Exhaust port, which lets me spend a destiny point to ignore the effects of the massive rule on attacks in a starship. Rapid reaction, suffer one strain to add one success to initiative checks. Touch of fate, I can add two boost dice to one check once per session just as like i guess kind of like a willpower die um and then intuitive strike lets me when i spend uh when i make a combat check with a um a planetary scale weapon i can add up to two force dice to the check um and then i can spend two force points to add a success or an advantage so i can basically just when i'm in my starship convert uh force stuff to advantages and success i also get a bonus force rating a bonus to a single characteristic and then uh i have tricky target which lets me make my starship piloted uh have a silhouette of one lower than it normally has when attacked so basically just like harder to attack um i didn't uh specify a starship that i have because they're all more expensive than even a night level play would be able to get you so i imagine that like our one of our kind of setup missions for the big mission would be to obtain probably steal but let's just say obtain a uh, starfighter for jazzy to pilot um and he would probably at that point sell his uh airspeeder that he uses and uh, exchange that for like mods to put on that ship. Namely, you put some proton torpedoes in it, and then also um, put a kind of like electronic countermeasure system in there to kind of very loudly make himself harder to hit. Um, it'll you know basically like announce his presence to everyone in the area because it like jams their comms, but it makes it stacks with his um, tricky target talent and makes him even harder to hit. So. Um, it's going to have a very difficult time landing a blow on this guy. Um, and his force powers are all in the foresee tree, which the base version of that is that he can spend a force point to gain vague hints of events to come up to a day into his own future. Um, and he can also spend another force point to get like a specific detail out of that. 
Um, and then he can also uh, get the ability to, when he's determining initiative, uh, roll a 4C power check as part of the pool. And uh, he can spend force points to get successes on the check. And he can apply that to the whole team as well. Um, so he can get some cool stuff out of that. And then finally as well, he can spend an additional force uh, point to grant you guys uh, a bonus action on the first turn of a combat. Um, so basically like let you guys get the drop on anyone by being your, as I mentioned, gay little mission control who's like popping in overcomes and being like, hey buddy, just so you know, there's three guys that way and one up ahead. So good luck. <laughs> the most infuriating way to be mission control. Yeah, yeah, that's that's he's he's going to piss um, Naru off like to an incredible, incredible extent throughout this mission, <laughs> which I don't think will like, which I don't think will like come up explicitly very often. But I think the longer he is around, like Jazzy in like any typical day, just the more like the worse and more sour Naru's vibes turn. Just, like, until by the end, he's just, like, radiating annoyance. <laughs> we love it. Um, it's okay, I have a calming aura. That's yeah, so there true. we go. <laughs> that's so true. Um, yeah, it's, like, it's barely kept in check when all three of them are together, but, like, if if Raval has to step away and it's just um, Naru and Jazzy, then, like, immediately Naru's just like, oh my god, this guy, I'm gonna kill him. I'm going to take my lightsaber. Your laser sword. <laughs> yeah, those are the guys. Three guys. Those are the guys. The only thing I realize I didn't mention all my talents, but most of them are just being very very good at medicine. Yeah. Yeah. As, as expected from somebody with the healer specialization, you know. Mhm. Yeah. Do we want to do questions and then wrap it up? Yeah, let's do it. Sure. All right. Who wants to go first? Uh, I can go with mine first. Right? All right. Okay, cool. What is the corniest personal keepsake that Jossie owns and displays in his home, and presumably on the ship as well, that he insists is like cool Casanova shit, despite no evidence for this claim? Uh, <laughs> the image that immediately jumped to mind was like a six inch tall tauntaun thing, like a like, like a, a fake tauntaun. tauntaun. I was thinking, like, what if there was a really small tauntaun that was taxidermied, like a mm, model tauntaun? Okay, yeah. There, it was like a model that was made to look as realistic as possible. It's but it's like six like or seven these, inches tall. It's got a huge face and these like beady black eyes for some reason. Um, and it says on the base, it says Funko Pop. I don't know what that's about. Fuck that. <laughs> that's, I'm good. That's I don't a, think that's uh, actually what it is. I just wanted to put that cursed idea out into the uh, Hannah, I just world, wanted to right? say, I just had this flash. Um, the energy of Naru is that guy from the Wicked Witch of the East bro video who just goes, I'm going <laughs> to stab him and then takes out a knife, like an actual knife. Would you like to see a picture of the actual Tauntaun Funko Pop? 
Oh, not really, but I guess I can't stop you. All right. I've got two images. I got a before and after for you. Do it. Here's the before. Uh huh. And here's the. This one is attached to the Han Solo Funko Pop. So you can imagine it's a little bit different. Wow. Okay. Dog shit. Yeah, that one's dead. I didn't think right. they would put like the dead vivisected Tauntaun on the Funko Pop. They put the they put the dead girl from from fucking Twin Peaks wrapped in plastic as a Funko Pop. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, all there right. There are no bounds. I've got a serious question now to distract us okay. from the Funko Pops. All right. um, how do how does Jazzy say goodbye to his little siblings? One of whom, keep in mind, is a preteen. He's pretty sure it's going to be a suicide mission. Does he have the heart to tell them that he's probably not coming back? And if he doesn't, do they know anyway? I feel... I feel like the vibe of that situation is. I feel like... He wouldn't say, but I feel like they would know. You know, because you said that whole thing about how... You know, he has this sense that he's, like, basically kind of, like... Metaphysically, like, being kept in reserve for something important. You know? So he's... He's kind of like, well, I'm off on the journey that is my life's purpose. Um, and I feel like there's no way to do that that doesn't have a sense of, like, finality to it. Mm. Um, but I think the vibe of him saying goodbye to his family is I think he's definitely the guy that, like, gives everybody a bear hug and then, like, a little pep talk about, like, the stuff they gotta do while he's gone, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I, I think he definitely talks to the preteen and is like, you know, like, uh, you take care of mom and yada yada and like, you know, like, tell the youngest that like, he's, you know, they're in charge of the house, you know, that kind of stuff. Like, just yeah. give everybody like, the the pep talk. Um, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I just want to, as a very quick addendum to that, uh, he's pretty sure that it's going to be like a literal suicide mission in that he's not coming back. But an idea that I had was that, like, the the night before the, the mission itself, he gets one of his prophetic visions, and it includes, like, he gets a vision of himself waking up the next day, and he's immediately just like, what the fuck is that? Like, I, I was at peace with all of this. Like, what do I do now? Um, and I think that that would be a cool, like, weird mental space for him to be in during the mission itself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, cool. You want me to go next? Sure, yeah. Volunteering. Let me scroll back up past all these weird animals that we've been sending each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does Raval complain about the most when doing cooking or cleaning uh, around the ship for the party? Mm-hmm. All right. Um... I have an idea here, and it is basically Jazzy, because, like, I think that Raval is much more of, like, a a practical, like, someone who makes rations presentable type of chef. Like, I'm not, like, you know, just diminishing his skill in it, but I think that, like, he's mm-hmm. much more of, like, you know, a home cook who knows how to make, like, solid filling meals that are gonna, like, get you what you need, whereas, like, Jazzy is very, like ostentatious and like you know if master chef existed in star wars he would be going on master chef 100 percent um and so i think that like as much as jazzy like tries not to he will end up like hovering behind him and just like 
not even like necessarily saying anything, but just like as you know, um, uh, as Ravala is like cooking, Jazzy will just like kind of just knowingly nod at stuff or be like, okay, okay, or like, ooh, all right, and <laughs> and shit like that, and it just adds up and is like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, what is the point of you? Like, can you fly the ship, me? please? Can you fly yeah. the ship? <laughs> No one is flying the ship right now. Please do no, that. No, you've worse. You've got hey, Naru in the cockpit right now. And he oh, did no, that's even worse. And he has like <laughs> half an idea of what he's doing, but like in the most dangerous way. I feel like he, wait, like we're in hyperspace. How bad could it be? <laughs> do do either of you have any ranks in piloting? Nope. Uh, skills? No. Okay. So so Naru is the second best because he has a better agility and a computer skill you know like i don't think that applies the ship runs on a computer (laughs) the skill you want is called astrogation i have education and lore that must count for something (laughs) just imagining you two crashing the ship the moment you get you like take the controls because like jazzy decided to like he had to just like nod at a jar of seasoning knowingly (laughs) Uh, no. Um, and also, what happened that made Raval break his lightsaber? Do you mean this question? Ooh. I've been wondering. Do you mean this question as like he purposefully bro- intentionally? Okay, he yes. intentionally broke it. He he like mm-hmm. may, perhaps even ritually or some in some way like it, something happened and he intentionally broke and dis- and destroyed his own lightsaber. Mm-hmm. Well, you were talking about earlier how, like, his his kind of, like, way of analyzing a problem can sometimes, like, build on itself until he gets to this, like, really kind of, like, emotionally charged, like, huge conclusion. Um, mm-hmm. And the way, like, my first instinct is that it was a situation that, like, went bad. Um, and, like, maybe people got hurt, maybe people died, and when he, like, analyzes that situation, it's like, oh, it went bad because I had this lightsaber. And, like, I I took it out at one point because I thought, like, that was the right thing to do, and it wasn't. But it's like, I had too much trust in this thing, so I have to, like, get rid of it. Because I can't rely on it like I just did, you know? Hmm. It's, I also say that he doesn't have any ranks in the lightsaber skill. Yeah, so, like... You know, he makes this, like, big emotion, like, kind of, like, combination, like, emotional, rational decision of, like, I need to get rid of this, um, because mm. it is not, you know, it won't help me survive. And so he breaks it after after that. And that's also, like, his way of, like, doing some kind of penance to himself for, like, the people who got hurt because he took out his lightsaber. Yeah. I like that. Um... Yeah, it would be very easy to uh, turn Revolve to the dark side if someone like put it made a concerted effort. Um, not because he's like edgy or like Anakin or anything like that. Just like he he can be like obsessive and uh, like overreact in certain ways. So it would be, it would be pretty easy to like coax that into uh, nefarious ends. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you're when you're like emotional weakness is hate, like 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's not a, yeah, you're, it, it, you're already it, yeah. on like what step two, step three of the the dark side chain. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. There you hate go, leads to suffering. He's like yeah. more than halfway there. <laughs> All right, let's make sure to keep him away from suffering. <laughs> well, bad news about where we're going. Oh fuck! Bad news about being a medic. <laughs> oh god, he's gonna go to the dark side. I want. Is, um, it's possible. Is Nora. Jossie the least likely to go to the dark side of the three of us? Yeah, I feel like it goes like Jossie least likely, Naru kind of like middle likely, and then like actually Raval like most likely actually. God. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Jossie is a responsible one. That's disgusting. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, God. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh. I was, sorry. <laughs> you, I was like, let's move on. And then, like, wait, Nora wants to say something. And then, wait, I wanted oh, to I say something. Oh, I was just going, I was, I was going to lend voice to the way that that, what we were just saying crystallized in my head. It's all right. Uh, all right cool. Um, I wanted to ask important question. What, what was Revol's lightsaber color? And what kind of lightsaber do he have? It was a normal one. Uh, the normal... Uh, like single, yeah. uh, you know, a meter long shaft of energy, as the books so often describe them. I hadn't thought much about the color. I tend toward green when I make OCs, mm-hmm. just generally. Um, that makes sense. Also, that's the consular color, yeah. Yeah. Uh, historically. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, we got a. A little bit of a control freak, so. Uh, Alright, right, cool. Let me hit you with some, some Naru questions. Um, mm-hmm. A serious one is like, so I mentioned that like he wants to go to this prison to like save a former classmate. And so my serious question is like, you know, what is his relationship to, you know, this person that he's trying to rescue? Like, in the like narrative you know, in like the, the, you know, there's like, I've been thinking of this as like, there's like six kids. So like, if there has to be like one of those people to come back, like why, why this person? Like, yeah. what's the vibe there? I have an idea. All right. Um, and let me know if this works with Nara's vibe. Um, you mentioned that he was kind of like the worst of like the, that, you know, cadre of Padawans mm-hmm. as far as like, you know, just proper achievement metrics right uh-huh. uh not a good student constantly like getting into fights and and all of that and i feel like it's probably the like best student among the group who had this like very sort of gentle and helpful nature and would like kind of keep like kind of sneaking uh little bits of help to naru to make sure that he wasn't gonna like fall behind in the esteem of the masters here to like an extent that would like really bring down consequences on his head. And I think that there's this like sense on Naru's part of like a, maybe this sort of like, you know, this, this like anger of like, why are you being so nice to me? And also of this sense of like, well, I I don't actually want to like succeed in these ways, but like that, that he was also genuinely really moved by this in a way that, like, was difficult for him to admit. Mm-hmm. Um, it may have been, like, you know, kind of like a little uh, uh, childhood crush type thing, but I think that it's more importantly than that, just this kind of, like, 
sense of someone seeing that like he was obviously like you know the shitty student who was gonna like be a delinquent and and pick fights and all of that and just outright saying that like well i don't care like i'm i'm still going to like do all these things to help you Mm -hmm. um and i i feel like that has to have like a lot of complicated emotions wrapped up in it for naru into present day yeah so what you're saying is they definitely have to have a lightsaber fight once they get to the prison it's like oh you've gone joker mode Oh no! The the best Padawan got Joker moded. Yeah. So sad. Stop Ooh. me if you've heard this before. But then, but then Raval is like, "No, we can save them. We just have to like, you know, detain them and take them with us, and then we can, you know, Raval can save anyone." And I think it probably. Oh, God. I think that's like kind of like the climactic duel, and I think it looks like maybe Naru is going to kill them, but then he like doesn't in the end. Cool. Yeah. Cool, cool. We love this. It's the boy at heart. Um, I, yeah, I, I feel I feel very emotional about that relationship. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's something that he definitely would like deliberately, like really not explain. Um, people are like, I, people are like, is that your girlfriend? And Naru's like, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he doesn't like. <laughs> Not really, but yeah, like not really, but in a way that only makes it more like that, you know. And he's mm-hmm. and he's certainly not like explaining any of that or understanding it. I think he mostly just says like really general ways of phrasing that relationship that just make it sound like more romantic. Yeah, he's like, for oh, sure. <laughs> I I owe her like I owe her. It's like I owe her one. <laughs> oh. Uh. So, okay, kind of so, silly question, okay? Um, yeah. So I mentioned that he, like, tells this story of how he, like, stole this lightsaber from, like, an Imperial Jedi archive, yada yada. Um, that's that's actually basically a lie, because uh, the real story is, like, a lot, like, lamer um, and just, like, not interesting. Uh, or not, like, not interesting, but, like, it's not cool, right? Like, it doesn't make him look cool. Um, so I want to ask, like, how does he get that lightsaber? Hmm. I have an idea. Um and I, I, I think that it's basically that like he he kind of like uh there was someone else who like launched a daring raid on like an Imperial archive um and, and like blew it up in that way. Um so like he's pointing to a real event and like, you know, the person who actually did it wants to lie low, so it's not like they're gonna come out and contradict him but like that person basically was like oh shit like i've i've been uh you know i'm being targeted by the imperials now i have to kind of like sell off shit that i stole at like really bargain bid prices at like the the combination coolest and lamest auction in the world Mm -hmm. um and it's like you know okay well we have here uh one empty lightsaber do i hear one do i hear two and I have uh, one lightsaber crystal. Do I hear one? <laughs> and like, Nari just puts those together and is like, aha, I was the one who broke in. Yeah, because like, I mean, he did kind of like get some secret info and then like go to like a shady deal and like get this lightsaber, but it was like an auction. Like he bought it kind of fair and square. 
Maybe yeah. the most exciting thing that happened was he got in a bidding war with a guy. I was like, listen, you fucker. <laughs> Does he kind of tell that as like, you know, oh, there was this like another t- thief who was coming and <laughs> it was think... down to me and him for who was going to take it. I don't think it would be in his character to like exaggerate it that much. Um, I think he would just yeah. like, I think what he would say actually is like, not even really a lie, but just be kind of like, this this lightsaber was taken from the Imperial Archive. I'm like, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, you did that? It's like, yeah. <laughs> like, it's yeah. mine now. <laughs> you know, in a way that's like, he doesn't act, you know, it's not cool the way he actually got it. So he just like tells the story of where it came from and lets you make that leap. Yeah. Like an asshole. Yeah. Alright, cool. Yeah. Star Wars. That's uh, questions for everyone. Uh, I hope that the suicide mission goes well, and I hope that Naru and his new girlfriend uh, have a happy life together. I actually, re- I actually, the reframing of this is like so funny to me now. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cool that we only figured it out in like the last fifteen minutes of the podcast. Like it's still the whole mission, right? Like the mission is basically the same, but the idea that like. Yeah. It's specifically, like, kind of, like, Naru's, like, this is, like, Naru's, I'm like, character. putting together a crack team so I could get pussy. <laughs> no! <laughs> uh, <laughs> he would, he would object. He would object if you, uh, brought that framing up. Um, and Jazzy would, is the thing. Yeah. <laughs> Jazzy would, like, absolutely, like, dap him up and be like, oh, okay, I see what this is about now. Hey, good on you, man. Jazzy would be like, eh, it's difficult, because, like... I'm gonna be in the. I'm gonna be in the. I'm gonna be in like my starfighter doing like distraction stuff. So I can't be your wingman while you're in there. So like, <laughs> Raval, we really need you. We really no, need you. It's like your. So your wingman's gonna have to be. And then looks over at Raval, <laughs> who's like got a got a like got like a, a mouthful of like fake Star Wars spaghetti that he's slurping into his mouth. <laughs> I, I also love the idea of doing like the what we've described repeatedly as the gay little mission control sequences, mm-hmm. but for how to flirt. <laughs> All right, now downplay how <laughs> difficult it was to get here to her, but don't downplay it so much. You want to be able to be heroic, or like or like um, the idea that he like senses that she's there, but not that real like. Not that she's gone dark side because he's kind of distracted. He's like, okay, t- yeah. say the thing I talked to you about. It's like, it's not the time. <laughs> I love that idea. This is your opener, man. Go for it. It's like, it's not the time. And then you hear like lightsaber noises. And Jazzy's like, oh shit, it didn't go well, huh? <laughs> it's really interesting of like, what is Raval's like deal because obviously he's not getting into a lightsaber fight. That's not happening. No. <laughs> so I assume that Raval is doing like clone trooper duty uh, while um, uh, Naru is is fighting this proto inquisitor, uh, or or just like I, I imagine mm-hmm. there's also going to be a lot of healing to be done of like the people who you know, are yes. being, like, you know, imprisoned and, and, and probably tortured, tortured by the, yeah. the Sith here. I think also he would probably have valuable knowledge as, like, the person who was, like, part of, like, the Republic's, like, military organization, you know? Like, 
Mm-hmm. He's yeah. he's the person most likely to know, like, okay, if this is like a prison facility, we're going to need these kinds of codes. They're generally laid out like this, you know, like, yada yada. He's a planner. And there's, and there's like, the, the worst case scenario where he gets, like, attacked by some, by an actual Inquisitor, right? Or, or you know, a hand or a similar character where he's like, I've got a gun, uh, I guess I'll have to do... And then he, like, uses the force to just hurt somebody, and that for sure go bad. I think the interesting cool. thing about, like, Naru getting in the fight is, like, uh, he's the stealth character. He does not, <laughs> like, this is, this is gonna be an embarrassing fight. Yeah, we have one But warrior. he's also got th- three ranks in lightsaber. Yeah, but he has, like, no... He has no, like, um, talents or, like, um, mm. even mm. really, like, powers that could, like, help in a lightsaber fight, you know? It's really just, like, he knows how to use that thing and, like, does use it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just gonna be, like, his lightsaber, you know? This, like, you know, now, like, newly Joker-fied student is gonna have, like, actual force powers and he's gonna have, like, his lightsaber fundamentals. So it's, yeah. it's gonna be the Cloud City duel. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, Hannah, Hannah. Josie on the up. mic, like, take him out one at a time. One at a time, I got you. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Um, yeah, I love the idea that he's just, like, doing running commentary and, like, he can't give you mechanical bonuses on that, yeah. but, you know. He can uh, also just be like, <laughs> he can also just be like, remember, watch the hands, watch the hands, don't watch the lightsaber, watch the hands holding the lightsaber. <laughs> yes. He could be but then also he could be like one of the worst MMA coaches in history. Um, a guy named Edmund Tarvedian, who when his protege Ronda Rousey was getting her shit absolutely wrecked by Amanda Nunes, the greatest female mixed martial artist of all time, was just shouting head movement, head movement, <laughs> like five five times <laughs> while his girl's just getting just beaten into pace. <laughs> I'm just imagining this. Uh... This person using the force and throwing a bunch of boxes at Naru as well during the fight, and him having to like duck and weave, and him getting like really embarrassingly like just smacked by one of them, just like the least like the least cool way to get hit by a box, and he just kind of like falls over. All right, yeah, I I really like this crew, and uh, I think that like the the Joker-pilled girlfriend will be a great addition to it after the suicide mission. Yeah. Hey, I bought four of everything, so... <laughs> there you go. Uh, Alright, cool. They're Welcome like, to the team. Here's your thermal blanket and your spacesuit. They're, like, hauling her, like... They're, like, hauling her, like, um, unconscious body out of, like, the exploding prison with a bunch of other people. And Revolve's like, oh, I have a spare spacesuit. And it's like we've got like we've got like half a dozen people with us. What are you talking about? <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah. Are we uh, just about done? Yeah. That's cool. Um, all right, let's start then with Nora. Where can we find you on the internet? And do you have any <clears throat> Star Wars related podcasts? I actually hate Star Wars, and it was a kind of insulting oh. for you to invite me on this episode. Sorry, I'm not. I did my best. You can find me on Twitter at neither Nora. Find stuff I've done at NoraBlake.online. <clears throat> you can uh, listen to my other podcasts. Uh, I said that as if this was one of my podcasts, but it's not. Uh, I do other podcasts besides this one. 
Mm-hmm. You can find those at exportaud.io or uh, patreon.com slash exportaudio. Um, Export Audio is my podcast network that I do with my wife. We do lots of fun podcasts, including The War and Our Stars, which is a Star Wars book club. Uh, we are about to record in the next couple weeks our episode on the third installment of the Thrawn trilogy. Oh, yeah. Uh, you might have heard of it. It's called The Last Command. Um, additionally, we just we have another book club called Ars Arcanum, where we read Brandon Sanderson's Cosmere books. And we've just about, we're about to finish the first book in that, uh, which is also going to be, as far as I'm aware, the worst book in the, <laughs> in Brandon's published works. The guy um, who's on Ars Arcanum sounds hot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the other book po- club podcast, because we're just starting this one, is called uh, the Bag End Book Club, where me and Autumn, Jackson and M from Abnormal Mapping, are going to read The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings and The Silmarillion and chat about it. It's going to be a good time. Oh, yeah. Um, there's other podcasts that I do, some of which will come up when Olivia talks about her stuff. But, you know. Um, I want to be on The War of Our Stars to talk about Dooku Jedi Lost whenever you get around to that one. That one might... I was thinking of doing some new canon stuff as bonus episodes for patrons because most of the stuff that the podcast covers is uh, Expanded Universe. Mm -hmm. But that would be interesting. I feel like Dooku Jedi lost, is what I'm saying. (laughs) I mean, the Jedi did lose. That's right. (laughs) Alright. Who am I passing off to? Uh, Let's do me first. Uh... I am Hannah. You can find me on Twitter at Hannah Yola. That's Y-O-L-E-A-U. And this is my only podcast uh, at the moment, so you can't find me on any other podcast. Though I will be guesting on another of Nora's podcasts shortly, so stay tuned for that if that hasn't come out already. If it has come out already, listen to me on that too. Ho, ho, ho. Journal updated. That's right. Yeah. Um... I am Olivia Joseph. You can find me on Twitter at Great Greeb, uh, where you can find uh, you can find a pinned tweet with links to all my podcasts. Uh, my other two podcasts are Attention Duelists, uh, which is the aforementioned uh, Nora podcast, where we're watching um, all of original Yu-Gi-Oh. I've had some people think we're going to watch all of Yu-Gi-Oh, like forever. Um, God, that's so much Yu-Gi-Oh. No, we're just just the original. Um, and also novel... Time is long, but, like, there's no way we're gonna commit oh, to that. God. We, we'd mm-hmm. die. We would straight up die before we watched, like, <laughs> a Yu-Gi-Oh! episode a week <laughs> until we finished it. Uh, anyway, I also do Novel Not New, which is a, like, game club about, uh, narrative games. Um, so yeah. Uh, check those out. I would appreciate it. Yeah. Um, you can listen to... Attention Duelists, and the next one we record will be me laying out why the Green Knight is a Yu-Gi-Oh! story. Oh god, I haven't heard this theory before. Man, what the fuck? I know. (laughs) (laughs) What is that? (laughs) Alright, fine, I'll listen to it. (laughs) (laughs) Got him! Got him! Fuck off! Got him! I have I have just quickly become the Naru to your chassis. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna be Revolve and order myself some spaghetti. 
There you go. <laughs> That's not true. I'm still getting Chinese after we finish this podcast. I'm going to order something after we finish this podcast. Guy, I gotta go play guy Apex who refers Legends. to lo mein as Chinese spaghetti. Oh. Oh. <sighs> I'm taking strain yeah. from that. Disgusting guy. All right. Cool. We're all set. Let's sign off. We're all set. Until next time. Um, May the force be with you. And also with you. Until next time, Star Wars. Grogu.